Thanks for checking out the Southcrest Church Podcast. We are one church meeting in two locations in South Atlanta. You can find us online at southcrest.church, where you can listen to our past sermons, watch our 4G stories, and learn more about who we are. Let's prepare our hearts to hear a word from God today. Yeah, yeah. So like we're in this series called That's Crazy and today's the final day. And in three or four days, you're going to walk in and spend multiple days with your family and you're going to be looking at them and saying, you're crazy. Okay. And let me say this. If your family's not crazy, uh, you're probably pretending. Okay. <laughs> we all got some weird things going on in our families. I'm glad that you get to spend time with your family this week. And uh, I'm excited about doing the same. So we're in this uh, series called That's Crazy. We just saw some of the clips there before we started. We live in a mixed up moment, right? We are in a crazy season right now. And it doesn't matter if you're Democrat, Republican, uh, white, black, brown, whatever it is in your life, we all are going through things and we're seeing things in our world and we're just going, that's crazy. And uh, I told someone last week, I said, hey, are you, uh, are you encouraged that, that God's doing some things within the church? And he said, yeah, but the things that are going on in the world just really messing me up. And that's why we're doing this whole series, because sometimes as Christ followers, we don't act like, hey, we know really what's going on here, but we do know what's going on here. Last week, we talked about shipwrecks. We talked about times in our life when we have to go through a shipwreck for God to get us where he wants us to go. And we go, that's crazy. Why would God allow me to go through that? Because he knows you would never become what he wants you to become if sometimes he doesn't take you through a storm, right? And so some of us last week was like, man, I, I, how do I get through this? And we talked about dropping anchors. Like you got to drop some anchors of the promises of God in your life because his ways are better than our ways always. And that we said that last week. So, but I'm glad you're here for the final week. And here's why, because I think this message could probably help us the most. There comes a time when you look at the craziness of the world and you have to realize that we need to take our eyes off of our problems and we need to put our eyes back on people, right? I mean, you can sit all day long and listen to the problems in the world. All you got to do is thumb through Facebook, look through Twitter, and you just get so caught up in it. It's like, man, everywhere around me, people are struggling. And the truth is we're so focused sometimes on problems that, that we don't focus enough on people. And here's our challenge with that. People are crazy. You know what I'm talking about? You know a crazy person, raise your hand. Okay, yeah, you're sitting next to him, okay? Um, people are crazy. People do crazy things. And listen, people do crazy things for crazy reasons. I mean, sometimes when you hear the reason why somebody does something, you're going, that's crazy. Like, why would you do that for that reason? Listen, I heard this story not too long ago. I was reading on the internet about crazy things that people have done. There was a guy who built a barrel for he himself to get into that he would go over Niagara Falls and try to survive. Now, I don't know what he was thinking, but I'm sure he went to his wife and said, honey, I have a great weekend project. I'm going to build a barrel and I'm going to go over the side of Niagara Falls. And he actually did. He built this barrel. It was like this custom deal with all this protection. And his goal was that when he hit, uh, he wanted enough padding inside that the force of the hit wouldn't kill him. So he went over the side of the falls and of course all the reporters were there and they were there to arrest him because it's illegal to do that. And they pulled him out and all the news reporters are walking up going, bro, why did you do that? That was crazy. And listen to his response. He said, I wanted to make a statement to America's teenagers about not using drugs. <laughs> That's crazy. 
Okay, because I'm sure the, the kid getting high at lunch at school is like, dude, I ain't going over Niagara Falls, okay? I mean, people do crazy things for crazy reasons. And let me say this, sometimes love will make you crazy, right? Because if you're in this room and you're married to somebody or you're dating somebody, let's be really honest. You do some crazy things just because you love that person. Like some of you, whether you realize it or not, like you actually have scents in your house. Like your wife puts on this scent and it smells like flowers and you walk through your house and as a guy, you act like you actually like it. It's like, what is that? Uh, It's a petunia. Okay. Listen, guys, if you have your own house and it smells like flowers, there's something wrong with you. Okay, you need to get you a manly candle in there or something. You need to get some, some, some Old Spice swagger sometimes and just let it smell a little. Some of you are shaking your head. You know what I'm talking about, right? Because when you're in love, you do crazy things. Let me give you an example. Many of you men, you wouldn't go to half the movies you go to if it wasn't for love. You would have never seen The Notebook, right? But the truth is, when you love somebody, it causes you to do crazy things. This July, I heard this story. It's so true. It it happened in Yukon, Oklahoma, which is where my wife is from. My wife went to high school with Garth Brooks. That's her claim to fame. And uh, in Yukon, Oklahoma, it's a sleepy little town right outside of Oklahoma City. Uh, It's the throat of Tornado Alley, if you know what I'm talking about. Like, they got a tornado a week there. And uh, in Yukon, Oklahoma, there was a three-year-old boy named Braden Hubbard. He's autistic. His mom decided that she was going to throw him a three-year-old birthday party so that his friends could come over and they could celebrate. The only problem is when she sent the invitations out, people started one by one backing out of the party. People started calling going, oh, we just can't make it. People started sending Facebook messages, hey, not going to be able to be there. And one by one, literally systematically, this boy went from having a birthday party to no birthday party until about an hour before the party, there was a knock at the door. And she opened the door, and there stood the chief of police of Yukon, Oklahoma. And he said, hey, I heard your son is turning three today. We got an anonymous call from somebody that said your son was having a birthday party today. And he said, I just thought we would bring the whole station. They brought the whole police station to this three-year-old boy's birthday party, and he had the best birthday party in the world. Imagine him seeing his friends the following week. Too bad you missed my party. I had squad cars with lights. See, here's the thing. Love makes you crazy. And when you really love somebody, in fact, I want to say this, because I, I know that our, our police department, they get a lot of flack about what's going on in the culture. I think we need to give every police officer and firefighter a huge round of applause today for all they do for our communities. Listen, those stories happen all the time. I meet homeless people that say, hey, where did you get that burger? Well, a police officer bought it for me. Guys, listen, love makes you do crazy things because when you love someone, you're just willing to get all crazy for it. You're just like, you know what? You matter to me. If you have your Bible today, I want you to turn to the book of Luke chapter five, the gospel of Luke chapter five. Jesus spent most of his life and most of his miracles happened in one town on the north side of the Sea of Galilee. It's a town called Capernaum. When you go visit Israel, in fact, we didn't go there till three or four days into our trip, and people kept saying, wait till you get to Capernaum, wait till you get to Capernaum. When you, when you drive up and get off the bus and start walking in, there's a sign on the gate that, that goes around Capernaum that says, Capernaum, the town of Jesus. Now, Nazareth was where he was born, 
But Capernaum is where much of his ministry took place. It's on the north side of the sea. It was a very special place. It was that shoreline, most likely, where he called Peter to drop his nets and to follow him. But in this moment, in Luke chapter 5, Jesus is back in Capernaum. He's been out healing people. The crowds are starting to figure out that Jesus can change people's lives. And in this moment, we kind of pick up on the story. Look what it says in Luke chapter five, starting with verse 17. One day Jesus was teaching and the Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there and they had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. In other words, people were coming from everywhere and the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. So I want you to get this. Jesus is back in town. People know what's going on. People are are coming to him in droves because they hear that he's performing miracles. And and people are like, man, like, can Jesus change my life? Can he heal my friend? And and the funny thing is, Jesus is in the house. He's not just in the town. Like, he's in this house, and people are crowding. And the thing about we don't always understand, these weren't 3,000, 4,000-square-foot homes. Their house was about the size of probably a a 1,000-square-foot apartment. That would be a nice house in Capernaum. So people are literally just kind of pushing in. Like if I get it, I just got to get my brother next to Jesus because Jesus can change him. He needs healing, right? And so people are pressing in. His fame is growing. People know that he has the power to heal and change. And word gets out and Jesus finds himself in a house healing sick people. And here's what I say to that. Anything is possible when Jesus is in the house. Did you hear that today? I mean, I know we live in a crazy mixed up world and that we look at a lot of things and we go, man, like, is God even in control? Like, does Jesus really, listen, if Jesus is in the house, anything is possible. And I want to tell you something today. Jesus is in this house today. And today you may be in a place, you may be in a condition, you may be pushed back by the crowd, but I want to tell you something. If Jesus is in the house, anything is possible. It doesn't matter what you're going through. Listen, it doesn't matter what your past says because your past, guess what, is past. It's over. You're living in your present. Now, if you choose to go back and live in your past, that's a big mistake you make in your life. But the truth is, Jesus, if he's in the house, he's past your past. And he is in the house. And when Jesus shows up, life change can happen. You know, all throughout the Bible, anytime Jesus encountered someone, they walked away different. They walked away changed. They never really walked away the same. Think about it. If Jesus is in the house and he's changing lives, imagine the possibilities. Here's why I know this is true. One chapter before in Luke chapter four, Jesus is in the town of Nazareth before he comes to Capernaum. The Bible says that on the day that they would go to the synagogue, Jesus shows up in the synagogue and they would read different parts of the law during the time in the synagogue. And then one person would stand up at the end and would have the opportunity to to speak one of the prophecies at the end. So they would read five different parts of the law and then one person would get up and read a prophecy. That day, Jesus was chosen to read a prophecy. Anything's possible when Jesus is in the house. Here's why. He unrolled the scroll and he reads Isaiah 61, which says, if you look in Luke 4, 18 and 19, I have come to bring good news 
sight to the blind, broken people healed. That's what our church is built on. We call it the four G's, gospel, grace, growth, and generosity. Listen, Jesus said those words and then he said something very profound because after he read it, he actually dropped the scroll and he said these words, today, this is fulfilled in your presence. Why? Jesus was telling the world, I'm in the house. When Jesus came here 2,000 years ago and he entered the house of this world, he came to change lives. We said at week one, Jesus didn't come to pick political parties. Jesus came to take over. And in this moment, we realize anything is possible when Jesus is in the house. But look at us, what happens here. Look at verse 18. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. And when they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him in on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. See, we, we hear that, we hear that story, we don't fully understand it, so I, I, need some, I need some action today for us to see this. I need somebody, I need one guy real quick, just, just one person, one guy. Yeah, would you come right up here? Would you come sit right here in the middle of this mat? Right here. Y'all give it up for this guy right here. This dude's a world changer. Have a seat there, bro. All right, I need four guys. I need four guys, four guys, or girls, doesn't matter. Guys or girls, come on, hurry. I need four right up here, right up here. Grab one of those corners. Here's what the Bible says. The Bible says Jesus was in the house and he's preaching and healing people. And, and these guys found this friend that they had and he's on a mat. And he's paralyzed and he can't get to where the crowd is and his condition's so bad, he can't get there. So what did they do? The Bible says that they came carrying him on the mat. Would y'all pick him up real quick? Now listen, don't top him over. I know you want to do it. Would you go to the edge of that stage real quick right over there? That, that's good. Yeah, keep going. Keep go- don't, Yeah, don't drop him. Now come back over to this side right over here if you would, okay? Just walk straight back over to that side of the stage. He's looking a little afraid in there. Y'all pray for him. And uh, so, so here's the visual, okay? Y'all just keep following me, would you? Let's just go back this way. They're carrying their friend to get him to where Jesus is. Because if Jesus is in the house, anything is possible. You know what I'm talking about? Like, not just something is possible, anything is possible. So they bring him. Now, y'all be, be nice when you drop him, okay? Just be really, oh, that was so sweet. All right, y'all give them a great round of applause. Thank you, sir. So get this. Jesus is in the house, and they come carrying this man. We don't know much about the guy. We just know he's paralyzed. But we need to see the visual of that, because what they did was crazy. We talk about that's crazy. What's crazy is that you would love someone enough that you would carry them and then you look and say, hey, there's the crowd. We can't get even get in the front door and they start climbing the roof. Let me give you a thought about that today. Never let someone's condition or the crowds keep you from bringing them to Jesus. You say, well, my friend's so jacked up, like he's addicted, like he can't do, no, 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 listen, it doesn't matter what their condition is. Never let someone's condition or the crowds keep you from carrying somebody to Jesus. Because if Jesus is in the house, anything is possible. You see, what I love about this story is this, they had no way, and so because they loved their friend, they made a way. 
You see, love either finds a way or it makes a way. It either finds a way or it makes a way. It's the thing that they said, we can't do anything for this. This guy can't pay us back in any way. He's probably been begging most of his life. We don't even know why he's paralyzed. But the Bible just says they came bringing their friend because love either finds a way or it makes a way. You know what else love does? Love always makes room for one more. Because I'm sure there were people in the crowd, like they're in there and they're hearing Jesus and people are getting healed and they're like, hey man, this is a pretty good church service. Like I may come back to this church, like if Jesus is in the house, but the, the problem is maybe they were so focused about what was going on inside of here that they couldn't care about the one that was standing out here in the mat. Love always makes room for one more. A couple years ago, I was with a, a group of teenagers and we went down to Zacatecas City, Mexico to help do some evangelism and plant some churches. And I mean, we had a phenomenal week. We worked out in villages. We helped plant two churches and it was about a seven, eight day trip. But man, when the, the job was over and we were about to, to leave, we had to get up real early on the last day. We were in Torreon, Mexico, and we had to get in these two white vans, leave our hotel at like 4.30 in the morning to get to the airport to fly back to America. And so, man, we're high-fiving, man, what a great week, what a great week, what a great week. We're getting in the van, and all of a sudden, there's this lady standing next to the van, and she's dressed like a prostitute. And we're getting ready to pull away, and one of the guys that was with me, who's our Hispanic pastor, Pastor Carlos, he gets out of the van, and he starts talking to this lady. And I'm like, Carlos, man, we got to get to the airport. Like, we're going to be late. Like, we're going to miss our flight. Like, we got and, and all of a sudden, I see him put his hands on her shoulders, and I see her crying, and she's bending down. And, and, and then all of a sudden, he reaches in his pocket, and he gives her some money and, and, and everything. And, and he runs up to my van, and he said, uh, he said, Sean, she just gave her life to Jesus. And here's what I thought. Oh, well, that, that's, that's inside. He goes, no, 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 hear the story. She's been out here since 2.30 a.m. trying to pick up extra tricks because if she doesn't get enough money, her pimp is going to beat her. And she was praying, dear God, would you please help me? And I stepped out of the van and I shared good news with her and she met Jesus. <laughs> Guys, love always makes room for one more. You may be that one more today. You may be that one more today, or you know that one more today. But you know what else is crazy about this story? These guys here, when they carried him on the roof, imagine what the paralytic was thinking. These dummies are going to drop me and I'll be double paralyzed. Like it's just going to be worse. Or maybe he was just like, God, I'm so desperate. I don't care what they do. You see, when they built roofs in those days, they were layers and layers of concrete. In fact, I want to show you this photo. This would have been the roof that you would have seen in Israel. You would have had to clear through rock and, and dirt and clay and mud just to get a hole into the roof. What does that mean? These guys had to move past their convenience and get really innovative. They had to risk something. Imagine Jesus is sitting there teaching and healing and all of a sudden you see dust flying from the field. And Jesus is like, hey, who left the hazer on? You know, I mean, it's like crazy going on in there. But here's what you know. There was no small task about removing that roof. And they had to be willing to get messy and convenient and it required lots of risk. It was gonna cost them something. They had to get innovative and they had to work at it. You know what that tells me? 
To see a miracle, we must be willing to embrace the mess. This guy's life was so messed up and that roof was so messy, but they made a decision. Jesus, I believe you can change this man's life. And if we're gonna embrace the miracle God has for people, we've got to embrace the mess. Listen, folks, if we're gonna win South Atlanta one relationship at a time to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, it's gotta get a lot messier. Oh, Sean, don't you understand? I love it in here. The temperature's great. The lighting's good. It's, no, 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 listen, folks. If we're not careful, we're gonna get way too comfortable. And if these guys would have been so comfortable that they wouldn't have cared enough for their friend, they would have never taken the time to cut a hole in the roof. You see, sometimes to get your friends to Jesus, you just gotta cut a big fat hole in your convenience. It moves from, I'm just kind of here to check the box to I'm gonna start serving, I'm gonna start giving, I'm gonna start giving myself away. I wanna help other people know about the Jesus that changed my life. Because look what happens, look at verse 20. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. Now, wait a minute, did I just read that right? Look what it says. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins. When Jesus saw whose faith? Their faith. Listen, we don't even know if this joker believed in God. We don't even know if he believed, hey, I don't even know who this Jesus guy is. But here's what the Bible says. When Jesus saw their faith, that's when he turned and looked at the man and said, friend, your sins are forgiven. It wasn't the man's faith, it was their faith. Listen, your faith could be the only thing that is standing between your friends and Jesus. My faith could be the only thing that sometimes stands between someone's life being changed for eternity. That's what he said. He said, your faith, he said, friends, your sins are forgiven. Your faith could be the only thing standing. We did a study about two years ago of all of South Atlanta. We realized that less than 9% of all people claim to attend any church. Now, listen, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. I'm just going to say that. You ought to go to church because you ought to be growing in your faith. But I'm going to tell you this. Of all the churches we studied, less than 9% of everyone in Coweta and Troop County attend anybody's church. But here's what we say all the time. Oh, man, I can't invite that person. They probably go some other church. Listen, everybody claims to go to a church. But let me ask you this question. If less than 9% actually attend a church, how large do you think the population potential is of people who truly don't know Jesus? It's a lot more than what we think. We did a study uh, a couple of weeks ago where we studied all the schools in Coweta County, over 18,000 students in middle school and high school and found that less than 5,000 of those 18,000 go to any church National study was done about two years ago and they asked this question, if you were invited to church personally by somebody, would you go? Over 85% of the people said this, I would go to a church if someone personally invited me. Not if they had a great billboard. Not, not if they, you know, uh, all these other things that we think people care about. You know what they care about? They care about you. I mean, think about the thousands of people that are sitting out there in their condition 
and they're afraid to come into the crowds. And all Jesus needs us to do is carry them. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of people because your faith could be the one thing that's standing between your friends and Jesus. See, here's, here's the other part we got to realize. What if you're the paralytic in this story? Because see, I realize that. Like some of us, we've known Christ for a long time and maybe we're just a little so comfortable that we don't care for people like we should because like I said, our world will be much better when we take our eyes off our problems and put our eyes back on people. Listen, Jesus loved people. And the messier it gets, it's just an opportunity for the light to get brighter, right? You say, it's so dark. It's because we're not bright. Some of you need to get lit. I can't believe I just said that in church. <laughs> Welcome to Southcrest. You know what I'm talking about. We're the light of the world. We're the salt of the earth. Maybe you're here today though, and you're the paralytic. And your life is so messed up that you feel like you're standing on this mat and no one knows your real condition. You're addicted. Maybe you're just strung out on life. Maybe your marriage is about to end and you feel like your life's about to end. Maybe you just feel lost because you realize that all these people who knew Christ seem to have a different life than I have. And so you're focused so much on your condition and you're even focused on the crowds, but you're the paralytic. Jesus says something very encouraging after he says those words, friends, your sins are forgiven. Look at verse 21. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, who is this who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Now see, when Jesus got into the house, there would have been all these people crowding in to see the healings and hear him teach about the kingdom of heaven. But the Bible also says it was at this time that a lot of the religious leaders came and checked Jesus out. And here's why. Jesus was teaching about a kingdom other than this world, and it was scandalous. And here's why it was scandalous. Jesus was beginning to tell people, I can do more than heal you. I have the power to forgive your sins. Now that's big. That's scandalous. Because back then, as a Jew, what you believed is once a year, a high priest had to go in and make a, a sacrifice for you. A, an animal had to die on an altar. And the only way you could be forgiven is by adhering to the law and the sacrifices made in a temple. Jesus steps on the scene and he looks at this guy and he knows that they're listening to him. And he says, friend, your sins are forgiven. What Jesus said was completely scandalous. And they ask the question among themselves, who is this who claims to forgive sin? Look, look what Jesus does in verse 22. When Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say your sins are forgiven or to say, get up and walk. But I like this. Look at verse 24. If you're the paralytic today, this verse ought to light you up, okay? But I want you to know that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. 
and immediately he stood up in front of them and took what he'd been lying on and went home praising God. Imagine his friends. Hey, is that Larry? He's been laying there for 20 years. Suddenly he's leaping. (laughs) He's just praising God. Look at verse 25. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. And they were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. See, here's the good news today. If you're the paralytic, Jesus has the power to heal and forgive. Jesus has the power to heal and forgive. You don't have the power to heal and forgive. But Jesus is in the house and Jesus has the power to heal and forgive. Maybe you're the one being carried to the house. And this is probably what you think. And everybody sees my condition. And the crowds, they won't even make room for me at the door. I want to tell you something today. Jesus sees you. He sees past your condition. And he sees past the crowds. And he sees you. Jesus said, I have the power to heal and forgive. I love what he says to the man. He says, I tell you, get up and go home. You know what I love about that? That's proof that Jesus has the power to cause you to stand up and go. I love many of your stories. There's so many cool testimonies in this room about people that at one point in your life, when you gave your life to Jesus, your testimony is Jesus said, I could get up and go. He forgave my sin. He set me free. He delivered me. And the truth is I have a reason to live. I have a purpose to live because Jesus said, get up and go. And he sent the man on his way. He has the power to cause you to stand up and to go. Would you pray with me today? Thanks again for listening to this week's message. Remember, you can find more sermons just like this one on our website at southcrest.church. If you have any questions about our church, email us at hello at southcrest.tv. We'll see you next time.